Hi again. Is everybody still good? I've been sitting there debating if I wanted to move this or not, and kind of if I would be able to, because I didn't want to not be able to move a table in front of all of you, but I did, so it worked out. Um, it is a joy to be here on Sunday morning. We are continuing. We talked about the toy drive, and I just want to thank you again for giving to this, because uh, not to, to step on my message very much, but as a kid, I remember so, just being so amazed by the new toys, and I remember being so excited when a new, like, Sears toy catalog would come out, which ages me a little bit, but uh, I, I remember just liking that, and I remember very clearly, now this is before I truly came into my faith, I remember very clearly uh, praying over a He-Man toy that he would turn into another cool toy. Didn't work, but I learned as I went. Uh, and so, but it was, it was such a part of me to have these toys, and we are giving that to, to a kid who, who really doesn't have much else, and so for them to be able to have something of their own, something to hold, it's really cool. And so we are continuing the You've Got a Friend in Me series. Actually, this is the last week for it. And so each week we have had different characters uh, that we have talked about. We had Slinky Dog, and we had other Toy Story characters. I'm more of a Marvel guy, but I still remember the other characters, basically. Uh, this week is R.C., uh, now, as you can tell from his name, he is either a can of old pop or a remote control car. And so we're going to go with the remote control car. And with RC, the key to him, the key to his existence, the key to everything he does, is he needs recharging. Uh, he, he needs new batteries in his controller thing. Uh, he, he needs to be plugged in. He needs a chance to, to refresh, to get his energy back, or he's just going to stop. It's not going to work. Now, we all understand that. We all understand toys and recharging and batteries and everything. And you know how many of us have seen this, this first one, the red on our phone, and just panicked. And we know we had to find a charging station. And so in our lives, though, sometimes we don't allow ourselves to recharge. Sometimes we just keep going and going and going and going. And it's easy, especially the older you get, where you have uh, kids, a job, you, have, you, you go to church, you do all of these things over and over and over again, and it's so hard to just stop. And we even sometimes are encouraged not to. But I want to start with Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Uh, God did not need to rest. We all know that. God is perfect. Uh, he is complete. He is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He is everything. And yet he rested. He rested to set an example for us. He rested to set up the week for us. He rested to set up the rest of our lives. Now, the interesting thing is you look through the Ten Commandments, you see uh, these ones that we consider big, like do not murder, that's an important one, because we don't want to murder anybody. Do not steal, that's an important one. Uh, honor your father and mother, like for the parents, that's a huge one. For kids, it's like, ah, eh, they probably misheard it. But it's, it's something where we, we see, like in the middle of these, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, and it's like, well, that's, what's that? But that's actually one of the most revolutionary commandments. It's amazing because, as I just said, this was for everyone, 
to take a break. And God leads people along the way. Uh, he, he, led, he had this plan, has this plan to lead from the very beginning, through Jesus, through now, all of these things for us step by step to learn. And this was a huge one, because you had servants that were now taking a day of rest that weren't really even thought of as people. Uh, you had sons and daughters, men and women, everyone was equal in just this, in taking a rest. And that's a start. And God sanctified that day and told us to do it. And, and as we know, it began as a day of worship, a day of no work. I remember growing up, uh, I was raised by my, by my great-grandparents, as I've told you. And there would be, as I was really young, it was like, well, I don't even know if we can go out to eat because it's Sabbath day. Does anybody remember this? Uh, you can't mow the yard, you can't burn the trash, which nobody can do anymore, but you can't, again, I'm aging myself today. Uh, you, you can't do anything physically. You basically just have to sit in a corner and that's it. And that's how the understanding was for a long time. Uh, it was a day of worship, which is amazing, and then it's not do anything. And you see the Pharisees in Jesus' time holding true to that, because they're like, what are you doing healing that person? How on earth can you dare to help somebody when you're supposed to not be working? And Jesus brought about this greater understanding, because the word Sabbath is a Hebrew word, which literally means rest or cease from work. Now, worship is a huge part of it, but when Jesus came, he reminded us, hey, you take a Sabbath, you take a break when you need it, when it's possible, and you worship all of the time. You don't have to just worship one day a week. You worship every day with your life, every day with your actions, every day with who you are. And, and that is what Jesus brought to help us understand. And the command for rest, again, we often ignore it, but it's an important one because we need it. Because if you are not rested, then everything else gets affected. If you don't recharge, then everything else gets affected. Uh, if you are working nonstop, and then you go home, and you're cleaning the house, or you're taking care of the kids, or you're doing whatever else. I don't know how adults work, but you do all of this stuff nonstop. Eventually, that candle that you're burning at both ends, is going to go away, and you're just going to snap. You're going to not know what's going on, and it's going to affect everything. Uh, I brought, everybody brought a character, I brought RC. Now for me, my twist is that this is made of Legos, and it's also small, so most of you can't see, which is amazing for a visual sermon. Uh, and so, it's made of Legos for a couple of reasons. Number one is I like Legos. Uh, number two is it illustrates one of the things that I want to say to you today, because one of the hardest things about taking a rest is it's like, well, I can't just sit there. I can't just do nothing. So that's okay. Do something that relaxes you. Do something that helps you. Do something that, that cleanses your mind a little bit. Worship, pray, do all of those things always. But when you take a break, build something with Legos. This is something that I do. If you go in my office, uh, there are Legos all over the place. And Sean was checking them out today and asking, did you build these? Uh, how old are you? No, I'm just joking. Sean loved them. <laughs> just joking. But it, it's, there are all these Legos everywhere because I care about this and it helps me. For a few moments, I'm just following these directions and I'm, I'm easing my mind, which my mind's constantly going and I think everybody here kind of understands that. Uh, or read. I have my book that I wrote in the front row because I'm donating it to the library today. So read that. Become one of the second or third people to do that. Um, but read, write, uh, do something fun with your family, go to King's Island, although, you know, that's not necessarily a day race, rest some days, but, but do something to fill your mind, to fill your, your life, because our sea, he needs to recharge, and so do we. But it's so hard 
Because we have so many responsibilities. We have so many things going on. And sometimes it's like, I literally cannot stop because I've got to pay these bills. I've got to, to take care of this. Taxes are coming up. All of these things. I've got to get ready for school. I've got to get ready for work. I've got to get ready for, for the family reunion. I've got to get ready for something. And so Jesus reminds us in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? That last part gets me every time. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? If you talk to me before I preach, anytime, uh, in the history of my life, and I've preached a lot, doesn't always show, but I've preached a lot. Uh, and if you talk to me right before, I'm nervous. I'm worried. Like, what if I do this wrong? What if I fall off this stage, which I actually almost did earlier, but nobody saw it? What if I, I mess up? And I, it's just, it's not bad worrying necessarily because it makes sure that I still care in a way. But it's something where it's always on my mind, and we all have something like that. Uh, in Toy Story 4, which I actually did see, um, there is a point near the very beginning where R.C., and spoiler alert, I guess, R.C. is out in the mud and the storm is going and he can't go anywhere because he's just spinning his tires in the mud and he's not moving and he's working harder than he's ever worked before, but he's not going anywhere. And so they have to come out and get him and, and help him to get in. They have to give him this chance. They have to reach out. So often in our lives, our worries make us do that. We just spin in the mud. We just go harder and harder and harder. And it's like, I'm not making any progress. I'm not going anywhere. And we double down and we work harder and harder and harder. My great-grandma used to say, and I'm going to mess this up, but worrying is like a rocking chair. No matter how much you do it, you're not getting anywhere. So like, if you're in a rocking chair and you're like, I'm going to go to Walmart in this rocking chair, you're not moving. You're just going to keep rocking. You can, I dare you to do that. That's your challenge. But it's so hard when we think about the fact that there's jobs and bills, and those don't cease. You can't go up to your boss and say, listen, I'm a bird today, and you're a bird. Uh, I, I, I am going to take this day of rest, and I'm just going to sit here, and you just leave me alone. Because most of you are asking, like, what are you talking about? You know, see ya. And so it's, it's something where it's very hard because there's a job, there's bills, there's kids, uh, there's parents, there's homework, there's tests coming up. There's everything that we have to do. There's putting food on the table. There's taking food off the table. Uh, what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink. And Jesus mentions that because that's, those are things that we worry about. But when you look at the birds, he's not saying, well, just go around with no, no responsibilities and kind of fly and do whatever you want, and then food will pop in your mouth. That's, that's not going to happen. See, birds work for their food. They look for the early worm. That's even a saying. They, they, they take care of each other, but they're not doing everything constantly like, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? They're living. Now, we have to plan, and we have to look forward, and that's important, but we also have to take a moment to live today. We have to take a moment to recognize God's not going to let us fail. If we are trying our best and we are doing what we need to do, God is not going to let us fail. Because if you don't relax, if you're constantly worrying, it's just not going to work in your life. You're going to fall apart completely. And one of the things that kind of leads us to do that is we don't take very much stock in our own value. We think, well, 
my kids are important, which they are. My, my husband, my wife are important, which they are. Uh, but, but I got to keep going. I got to keep going. I got to keep going. You matter too. Let me say that right now. You have value. You are of immense, immeasurable value to God. And when Jesus is saying that, he's saying, listen, I love the birds and we take care of them. So how much more important are you? How much more valuable are you? You need to take care of yourself and let me take care of you. Because our value is so much greater than we often realize. And again, having a sense of responsibility is very different from worrying. You should have a sense of responsibility, an understanding of what needs to be done, but also the ability to say, hey, I need to stop right now to make everything else work. I need to stop right now. I need to figure this out. I need to pray. Uh, I need to just talk. I need to just be here. But we look so far ahead that we forget that today still happens. Again, it's okay to plan. It's good to plan. But you also have to live in this day. Now for me, once something is on my mind, if I'm laying there at night and something pops into my mind that needs to be done, and it's like, well, this has to happen, that very rarely goes out of my mind until I do it. Now, that's not always possible. Because especially if we're thinking, oh man, Next April 15th, taxes are due today. What, what am I going to do? Like, if you, you can worry all you want about that, it's still going to happen, but it's still a long way away. Things like that, and so I have that going on in my mind. But listen, and believe me, and this is something I need to say to myself as much as anyone else, we cannot worry something into happening. You cannot work so hard that everything falls just in place. If you're not giving glory to God, if you're not resting, if you're not taking care of yourself also. And this is important. This is something I've said to the teens a lot lately. God will never put you in a situation that he will not always also help you through. You see, if God calls you to, to be a parent, if God calls you to be a teacher, if God calls you to be a pastor, to be a, a, a music minister, to be a, a, a factory worker, if God calls you to work in a gas station, if God calls you to do anything, He's not going to say, hey, you know, Jim, I want you to go do this, and then I'll talk to you in about six years or so. No, he's saying, I'm calling you to do this. I want you to step out in faith and trust me, and I will be there every single step of the way. And so it's like going back to the birds. This is having faith that he is there, having faith that we have value, having faith that he will help us through. To go to verse 28, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Along with bills and taxes and family responsibilities and everything else we worry about, we also sometimes worry about where we fit in. We worry about how we fit in. We worry about status. Now, most of us will tell kids, hey, you know what? When you're an adult, the popularity stuff doesn't matter anymore, and you'll be okay. And to an extent, that's true. Like, nobody out in the halls is shoving people into lockers uh, that I've seen. No one is like, well, I've got to really fit in with this cool crowd. I've got to really uh, make somebody like me. Like, not necessarily to the same extent, the same hugeness that it is in high school and middle school and beyond. But we also have this worry about where we fit in, about the next promotion, about what's going to happen, about what we look like, about how people perceive us, about what people think about us. 
That's something that really never goes away. It's something we have to actively try to control. And so it's possible to take a vacation from work, to take a vacation from, from everything that's weighing you down, but your mind is still there. And so it's like, well, I, I, my body is not working, but my mind is still working and working and working because we worry. And at first, when we're growing up, it's clothes. It's whether you have the cool new kicks, uh, Jordans, which I actually have a pair and they're cool. But it's about whether you have the, the, the clothes that help you to fit in. And then as you get older, that's not as much of a deal because you almost have a uniform as an adult. And so, it, it, but it's still something where, well, my car is not as nice as this person's. So I gotta work way harder to get a better car. Uh, and then, then it's Facebook. Well, wait, my pictures, they don't make me look as happy and fulfilled as this person over here, so I gotta do better. And, and so we have all of these stresses, all of these worries about status. But what's interesting is your status, how people see you, how people think of you, it's decided by them. We have no control over that. You can be the greatest person in the history of the world and doing everything for everyone and being kind and good all of the time. And if someone decides that they're not going to like you, they're not going to like you. The illustration for this is Jesus. Jesus never messed up. He never did anything wrong. He never did anything bad. He was perfect. And yet, a lot of people are walking around saying, I don't like him. He doesn't fit in here. We don't want his kind around here. And so it's something that we know inside, but it's still something we worry about. And like I said, this one is hard. Because with work, with responsibilities, we have some level of control. You can control when you take a vacation. You can control if you kind of take a longer lunch break. I almost went down. You can control... <laughs> See, now, Sean beforehand's like, remember, you can walk around uh, more on the, the floor. And I'm like, that's cool. And then in my head, I'm like, I can do that. And then in practice, I'm like, oh, wait, there are different levels of these things. So I'm going to stay up here. <laughs> I will say this. If I ever do fall, I am going to play it up, so let it happen. So, like, I'm going to stay there, and you're going to think that I'm dead because I'll be so embarrassed. So just, it's done at that point. But, uh, like I said, your status is decided by others and so this is where recharging gets a little bit harder because you can't stop your mind. I know for me, I'm up all of the time at night because everything that I wasn't really thinking about during the day pops in when I'm silent, when I'm still. And so it's hard to sleep, it's hard to get it out. And so what do you do? Jesus says, listen, your status, your popularity, all that stuff, who cares because I'm with you. You're so much more valuable. Solomon looked so amazing and he worked so hard to, to look cool but the flowers are still more beautiful and they're just there and so Jesus said listen to me because the first thing you do and this is the first thing you always do forever is pray uh, for me before a sermon before anything I'm praying hard I remember back in school even if I'd studied and even if I knew everything I'm praying before a test because for one it calms me down and it helps me to remember that there's someone else there but for two, the Lord hears our prayers. And so when you can't stop your mind, pray, God, please, please help me to stop thinking just for a moment. Help me to take a break. Help me to be okay. Help me to not worry until later. Help me to, to remember that you are in control. And then you also have to usually force yourself. Again, like I said, with Legos, with something that is filling your mind with reading, with writing, with doing something active, something fun, something to stop you. 
And maybe sometimes you're able to just rest and you're able to be there and it's like, oh man, this is so good. But maybe sometimes you can't stop that. And so you have to force yourself to do it. And over time, you will realize through repetition, okay, God is with me. Whenever worries pop up, whenever stress pops up, pray and talk to God and then do something. And I know, listen, that makes it sound super easy. I'm basically saying, hey, don't worry about food and drink. Now, a lot of us are worried about food right now. It's like, man, as soon as he's done, I'm going to Arby's. That's probably a bad example. As soon as he's done, I'm going to IHOP. I don't know what, what's cool. But listen, I eat anything, literally. And so it's, it's, you're worried about food. You're worried about status. Some of you probably right now are, are, are worried about something. And it's so hard to let that go. And I realize that I'm making it sound easy. It is not. But asking for God's help is. Because he will always listen and he will always help you. And sometimes it seems like nothing is happening. But it is. Just by asking, just by trying, just by seeking that rest. By seeking him. Sometimes you have to actively do it over and over and over and over again. But that doesn't mean you're failing. Because you're trying. You're giving yourself to him. You're giving your life to him. Verse 31. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Jesus didn't say, stop worrying completely, and that's it. Just stop thinking, stop doing anything. He said, stop worrying and replace it with a concern for God's kingdom. Replace it with looking to God, with looking how you can help, with, with looking at how you can do something good. Now, in a lot of ways, maybe the doing something good is giving something to the toy drive. It is volunteering in church. It is going to, to visit the nursing home. Those are all good things, and they're important. But sometimes, Doing something good for, God, good for God's kingdom means that you stop and you take a break, you rest, you relax, you pray, you recharge so that you can go forward again, so that you can step up in a big way, so that you can know that tomorrow's still going to come. And the amazing thing, one of the things I love so much about everything Jesus said is when it's a guarantee, it's a guarantee. When it's a promise, it's a promise. Because he said, when you do this, if you seek first the kingdom of God, everything will be given to you. You're going to be okay. He didn't say, if you seek first the kingdom of God, and then your name is drawn up in the lottery, and then you wear the right thing, and you do the right thing, and you say the right thing, then you'll be okay. He said, if you put me first, if you look to the kingdom of God and you try your best to follow the kingdom of God, to further the kingdom of God, you're going to be okay. Not an if and then and all of these other things that we hear in politics, but it's a Jesus saying, hey, trust me. Trust me. You will be okay if you are constantly living for God, seeking him first. And you're going to mess up. But if you're seeking his kingdom first, it's going to be okay. That's a guarantee. It's a promise. And I can tell you right now from experience and from history and from everything else, anytime Jesus made a promise, any promise in the Bible, it absolutely is true. It absolutely comes true. Every guarantee is legit. Every guarantee is real. 
And tomorrow is always going to be tomorrow. Again, it doesn't mean never plan. But tomorrow is always going to be tomorrow. And today is today. And that sounds stupid, but it's true, and some of us need to hear it. Today is today. We have to get through today. We have to matter today. We have to rest today. Because again, God does not call you to do something, including rest, including recharge, and then stop. He calls you, and then he helps. He called the disciples, and then he was with them every day. Even after he went up to heaven, he was with them every single day. He was always with them, and just as he's always with us. And Jesus set the example. My last scripture, Mark uh, 6, 30 through 32. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. Jesus was fully God and also fully human. Jesus was perfect and good and did everything for everyone. He was always there. He was always right. And yet he still didn't act like he was always right. You know what I'm saying? Like he was always right, but he wasn't like, see, I was right. Because he didn't have to be because he was right. And so he helped everyone. But because he was fully human also, in addition to being fully God, he took a break sometimes. If you read through the Gospels, you will see over and over again, Jesus goes off to pray. Jesus is off alone. Jesus is walking on the water from coming somewhere. This wasn't because he was lazy, because he absolutely wasn't. He was about God's kingdom 24-7. But he was showing the example to the disciples, the example to us, you have to get away. You cannot burn the candle at both ends. You cannot keep going without a battery recharge. You have to stop. You have to rest. You have to recharge. You have to do something to help yourself. And in this case, his example is to go off, to pray, to be with friends, to be with family, to prepare, to rest, to do something to recharge, but also to be aware. Because as I said at the beginning, if Jesus was resting on the Sabbath and he was walking around just kind of talking and somebody came up that needed help, he didn't say, eh, I'll see you tomorrow. He helped right then. So be aware of the need still. Be aware of what you can help. And sometimes you're not going to be able to take a break right away. Sometimes there is something huge, property taxes. And again, I don't know how adults work, but there are bills. Something coming up big that you have to save for, that you have to work for, that you have to work through. And you literally cannot stop for a week, for a couple days. So take a couple moments each day until you can. Take a couple moments and say, God, these next 15 minutes, I really need to recharge. I really need to rest. I really need to get my mind off of this. And he will help you do that. But you have to take that first step to try. And that's what Jesus is doing here because shortly after this part, where he tells the disciples, hey, there's a lot of people around, let's go off and recharge. The very next thing to happen is the feeding of the 5,000. One of the biggest miracles that he did, something that took a lot of work for him, for the disciples, for everybody there. He taught, he poured of himself, and then he performed this amazing miracle using a little boy and his food to give everybody something to eat and then some. And he knew that was coming up, and so he took a break. 
And then he had this huge impact. And there's a lesson there too. All of us, I believe, want to have an amazing positive impact on the world. We do. We're here today because we want to worship together and we want to fellowship together and we want to be together and we want to be in church and we want to give glory to God. But also, we want to show God to other people. We want to have an impact. We want to do something that matters. We want to leave behind something where people can say, wow, they really did something for Christ and that helped me. That's good. But in order to get to that point in your life, in order to do that, you have to take care of yourself. Now, this is an excuse to go and take like the next six weeks off and let everything fall apart. Please, Sean, don't. But this is to take a couple minutes a day, to take a day when you can, to take a week when you can, to take time to recharge. And then that big impact will happen because Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom of God, every single thing that you want will be added to you. Now, there are people that will read that and they don't have an understanding of the Bible. Maybe they've never been to church before. And it's like, wait, so if I just look to God, then everything I want, like all those Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Legos, they're all going to be mine? Now, see, because Jesus knows what he's doing. And so when he says, seek first the kingdom of God, and you actually seek first the kingdom of God, you'll find that your desires, your wants, they change a little bit. They're not selfish. They're not, oh man, I'm going to seek first so that I'm going to ask God for, for more money. Now, that's not necessarily selfish. In my life, he's taken care of me and helped me when I needed it. But when you seek him first, you find that your desires, your wants, they also seek him first. And so you get them because you're doing the right thing. You're helping him. You're living for him. And as long as there are other people in your life, it's really hard to take that rest. Parents, you could say amen right here probably. Because as long as your kids are home, as long as your husband is home, your wife is home, it's like, well, how am I going to get away? Because even the happiest family, it's like, you're there. And one of the things when I talk to kids, no kids ever complain about their parents, don't worry. Uh, definitely none of yours. And so when I talk to them, I'm like, listen, when you're together with someone basically 24-7, you're basically going to get on each other's nerves at some point. That's just how it works. And so you have to take a break from that too. I'm not saying run away, please don't. I'm saying run to God. Ask him to help you rest. Because we need to take time for ourselves in order to give all of our time to him. Because in that break, we're not wasting it. We are recharging, we are doing more. And so if we seek first the kingdom of God. And by seeking first, we follow all of the commandments, which means you're not murdering people, you're not stealing, you're not putting other gods before him, you're not coveting, and you're also honoring the Sabbath. By honoring that day of rest, you're honoring him. You are sanctifying that day. And as Jesus showed us, it doesn't have to be a specific day. Now, don't stop coming to church on Sundays. Take that time to recharge. And by doing that, you are setting an example for others. You are setting the example that Jesus set, that you are doing everything you can to further his kingdom, and that you are ready for what is next. That's all I got.
I have been given a tremendous blessing today. Now, you, I'm going to give a little bit of history. You don't know this, uh, probably, but I'm, I'm ordained in the Nazarene faith. Uh, that's not the same thing as being ordained in Methodist. It's just how denominations work. So I've given communion before, but uh, Pastor Julie and I prayed over the elements today, and, and we prayed over communion, and we talked. And it's such a blessing to be able to do this with you. Because communion came from a time when Jesus was taking a break, when he was recharging with the disciples, and he knew what the next few days were going to hold. When he was in that upper room, he knew that he was about to die. He knew that he was about to be beaten. He knew that he was about to be hated. He knew that he was about to be dragged through the streets. He knew all of that. But he took a break. Not because he needed to, but because he was showing the disciples, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. When we take communion, we are remembering that day. We are remembering what it was like in that room. The scripture, Luke 22, 19 through 20. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup, it is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Every time we take communion, we are remembering that moment. We are remembering his life. We are remembering his commands. We are remembering his example, so that we can then go forward and do it the same. Now, with communion, if you are a Christian, and you feel, I, I want to share this communion. It doesn't matter if you're Methodist, Baptist, Lutheran, non-denominational, whatever. If you are a follower of Jesus, you can take communion with us. But let me say this also. If you are feeling, man, I, I don't know if I should today. Now, I would encourage you to pray. I pray before every time I take communion. Just basically, Lord, help me to be worthy of you. Please cleanse me. Help me to be okay. And I encourage you to do that. But nobody's going to think less of you if you don't take it. But you don't think less of yourself either. Pray to him. Help him to help you. And do everything you can in his name. I'm going to pray. And as soon as the prayer is done, we're going to have uh, the communion people come forward. And just a reminder, uh, the middle is the gluten-free bread. And so when you come forward, either alone or with your family, with your friends, you'll take a piece of bread and you'll dip it in the juice and you'll remember him. Because just like with communion, where it's literally remembering that covenant, remembering him, everything in our life should be about remembering him. Please bow your heads. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for giving us this chance to take communion, for giving us this ability to remember you, for giving us this ability to, to recognize your covenant with us. And Lord, I thank you so much for that covenant. And I thank you so much for the example that you said. I thank you so much for all of the words that you said, for your very life, for doing day by day a sacrificial giving to us, giving us wisdom, giving us knowledge, giving us hope, giving us faith, giving us a chance at salvation. 
and showing us how to live. I ask that you help us, Lord, to follow your example in taking a day of rest. I ask that you help us, Lord, to follow your example in seeking first the kingdom of God. And I ask, Lord, that you bless these elements. Just as Pastor Julie and I blessed them earlier with you, I ask that you help everyone who takes this to know that they are loved. To help everyone who doesn't take this to know that they are loved. Please bless this time together. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and will continue to do. In your name we pray. Amen.